I want to be close to my kids and I'm not going to, I can't parent them like I did before as they're figuring out life because they're going to make choices that I may not agree with. I may not like, like they love it when they see our mess and, you know, can learn from it versus just having to <laughs> go through it, you know? Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm gonna do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Jason Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on my show today. Absolutely, glad to be here, Young. I'm really, really excited to get to interview you. I feel like I've learned so much about parenthood and being a dad and a working professional from you. So I'm really excited to get, that I get the chance to interview you on my show. Sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I have to ask you about your glasses before we get started. Those are looking really, really cool. Oh, you like them? I can't see anymore without them. Like I never had glasses my entire life until, well, I guess maybe like five years ago when I was 40, my eye doctor said, you know, in like two or three years, you're going to need glasses. And I was like, whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, woke up one morning. I was like, what? I can't read. And so here I am. Now I can't read. And now I have to wear them all the time. So now you're using it as like a fashion statement because that's a bold, like white rim, you know, with the black on the, on, on the bottom. I mean, that's a statement. I like it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go with glasses, you got to go with something cool. That's right. That's right. I mean, there was a point, I think, in, I think it was in high school or college where I got like, Glasses with just like basically windows, you know, they're like just glasses, no prescription, just for the look of it. Because I felt like you look so much more smarter and sophisticated with glasses on than without. So yeah, lean into it if you have to wear it, you know. Wait, and you, do you wear contacts or glasses? I don't think you do. I, I have uh, reading glasses. So when I have to do a lot of reading or a long driving, I'll wear them. I can't see things from far away. So it's not terrible. So legally I can drive without it, but it, it gets after a while I do need them. And it's just part of growing up and just getting old and just looking at these in these screens all day right it's just like I can't I can't imagine this being helpful for our eyes and straining with the all the blue light and stuff so agree yeah how many pairs of glasses do you have just one that's it my wife gets a pair of glasses every year I'm like these work why do I need new glasses yeah they look cool I love them I love white as an accent color so it's really great it's <laughs> like a, a really fun color that uh, you chose I'm really they match I'm really my airpods it. That's right. That's right. Now you just got to get the white watch band and then you'll be yeah, like... Yeah, exactly right. Take it all the way. That's right. Hey, so just because we need to make sure that we're also entertaining the listeners, not just myself and your glasses and your fashion choices, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do for a living? Sure. My name is Jason Andrew and I am in California, just south of San Francisco, and I've been an entrepreneur for the last 15 plus years, mostly in the insurance space. So... Uh, started a couple of companies, both in the insurance brokerage space and technology. I have three teenage boys, and I have a wife that I've been married to who's stuck with me for 24 years, I think. Nice. And what do you do right now? We were acquired like 10 months ago by a company named Phineas, which is a company out of Dublin, Ireland, which is public on the Australian exchange. It's kind of odd, so it's like three different continents. And I'm their chief alliance officer, so I handle the partnership and kind of strategy stuff. I love it. Very, very exciting. Congratulations on the new role and also obviously the acquisition. I know that was a 
really tremendous year and a half of work and excitement for you. And it was really fun to watch from the outside and, and then really fun to watch you kind of land in this really cool role and position at a really large company, given the history of how scrappy we used to be back when we were building up <laughs> many, many moons ago. Wouldn't have gotten there if you hadn't helped. Oh, thanks for saying that. That's really what I was trying to get at. So I appreciate you feeding right into me, pandering into that. So I'd love to know uh, what kind of projects are you currently working on? Or do you have any big things that you're trying to focus on at Phineos or as the new chief alliance officer? Any like major initiatives you're, you're focusing on? Yeah, we're, uh, we're working on building out a, you know, a partner strategy and ecosystem globally, which is helping with uh, SI partners, so, uh, sales integrators like Ernst & Young and Pricewaterhouse, Coopers, Deloitte, and folks like that that help implement product into big insurance carriers. Uh, then also working with other technology companies that are complementary. We we did a deal just past the acquisition with a company that's doing uh, AI and machine learning around claims and and so forth. And and then we just acquired a company called Spree. So they do machine learning and AI around claims and and so forth. So we're working on a lot of building out partnership and ecosystems. And just when I told you that there was everything was turned off, I just totally I'm not editing that out. We're going to keep that in there. Just so everyone knows that. You have a hard time following instructions. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> and then we're expanding into some new ge uh, geographies. And so looking at those markets. That's awesome, man. Sounds like a lot of big projects. And I love how like yeah. uh, understated you say it in, in the manner that you say it in. It's yeah, just some, just some global integrations and systems building. <laughs> uh, I love it. That's great. Tell me about your kids. Uh, I, I know I know them, but I want our listeners to know about your awesome kids and just how old they are, who they are, and uh, where they're currently at. Three awesome boys. Uh, youngest is Nathan. He's 15. He'll be a sophomore in high school. He has played club soccer for a number of years, and uh, they're all gamers. They all play video games. They didn't get that gene from me because I just don't play video games that much. I mean, I played some. And then, um, so he's he's cool. Thomas just got his driver's license today. He's super excited. So he has like a old, like a 1990 convertible Volkswagen or something like that, an old cabriolet. So he's stoked. He has freedom now. So, but he's he's a programmer. So he's uh, he just graduated from high school like two weeks ago, and he just got his license today. And so he's off to college, and he is driving, and he's super excited. Uh, and he wants to study programming, but he's taught himself how to code. So he that's kind of, he's an engineer type. And then my oldest, oh, and Thomas is 17. And then my oldest is Wesley. He is 19. And he's in his second year of college. And he's the artist in the family. So he's he's working as a lifeguard right now to put himself through school. Uh, well, not really. We're helping him. But, you know, he's having fun <laughs> working. And then... He has written a couple of books, and he does music, and he does photography, and I think he wants to be a screenwriter. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. I love how different all, all three of your boys are. That's, that's They're fantastic. They're totally different. It's so weird. Not, I mean, it's weird, yeah. Yeah, how do you manage that? Because like, I feel like my two girls are starting to like separate in their personalities, even at this young age. I'm assuming that just gets further and further emboldened and, and defined as they get older. Well, I was, we were visiting our family last week and I was talking, Wendy's dad is, a, he was a, a civil engineer all of his career. And so very meticulous, very detailed. And that's not me, like in terms yeah. of like, he, he, he built every house they lived in. He, you know, installed big sewer systems for cities. I don't have that gene and my other boys didn't get it. But Thomas, 
like from the time he was a couple of years old, he would build things from Legos. He, we would always give him the stuff from Ikea to put together. He built his own like video game console instead of buying one, got all the components, carved out the wood. So that doesn't really directly answer your question, but it's really interesting how that nurture versus nature thing works because they're, they have their own personalities from a really young age. But I think just trying to, I've always am and, and, and have tried to just get to know them individually. It's really easy to get into this mode of trying to have like cookie cutter, like read a book or something and say like, well, here's how I'm supposed to like raise my kids. But, but just trying to get to know, like really know who are they? Like what's the unique, what's their love language? What's their unique skill set? What do they get excited about? And, and then try and like adapt to know them, you know? Yeah. And that's also really interesting because I think it is the nature nurture concept, but it's also got to be different with boys too. I'm assuming there's like, um, a point Well, you don't have any girls. You, I guess you don't necessarily know personally, but yeah, I'd imagine that like, there's a lot of like bonding that goes on. That's a little bit different than with a girl. Like, for example, like I'm sure there's, there's like stages that they're going through and you can talk to them about it and all those other things. Yeah. That's really interesting. So have you kind of pushed any of them into a certain direction or are you just kind of like going with the flow and just yeah i haven't really and you know so i struggle with either sometimes feeling like we're great parents and sometimes feeling like i i just haven't done anything to influence them and i'm being facetious a little bit but i've definitely not been like anything like i've not pushed them in a direction i've really tried to understand what are they excited about what do they want to do and then support them in that and you know and so i think the ways we have pushed them is trying to help them to think for themselves and make good choices about who they want to be and their character. And then what do they want to do? And, you know, so like, you know, like with Wesley, I don't know that I would necessarily go, Hey, you should be a writer. That's a really tough industry to get into. Right. And pragmatically speaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, depending on your measure of success, I guess that's that. I mean, that's the framework I'm coming from. Right. I mean, if you think about living in the Bay area, supporting a family and say, I'm going to be a writer. It's just statistically that's more challenging than like I'm going to go and learn how to code and get a job at Google, right? So, but it's what he's passionate about. And so what I'm trying to do is help him learn the skills to learn how to network and market himself and the things that he doesn't like to do that are critical to being successful, whether he's the best writer in the world, right? And so that's kind of how I've thought about it, which is like, what are they really excited about? Then how do we build the support around them? Versus like going, well, hey, you need to be an entrepreneur because that's what I've done or you need to, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and that's also kind of goes to the other thing that I like to talk about or think about when I think about parenting is like how much of it is like you educating them and how much of it is you leading by example, right? And that whole conundrum of like them soaking yeah. up, you know, what parenting is or what uh, what success looks like by being like you and watching you or, or basically learning from you. But I, I think it's really interesting for me to point out for everyone else that I find that you have always made a very, very big point in your career. And you've always been aspiring for more and more in your professional career. And you've always succeeded and been successful in a lot of different endeavors. But you never stopped also striving to be a great parent. And it's one of the things that I, I really admire and love about you. And, and quite frankly, it's one of the reasons why I even started this podcast. It's this whole concept of like, why not both? you know, and like, let's try it. Let's try to actually strive for both. And there were so many instances when we had critical meetings in time when we were working together at Limelight, where you would, you would literally stop what you're doing to be present for your kids. And it's kind of like the, the first time, like the kind of the idea planted in my head that 
as parents, you're constantly figuring out how to best allocate your time. And it's one of the situations where you have to spend time being a good business person and spend time being a good parent. And I, I, I love that about you. And you're always, you're, you're always striving for that balance and always trying to figure out what that looks like to the point of like almost being awkward in either, either the parenting side or the uh, yeah. business side. And I think that that was always really fun to watch you do that. Uh, that being said, I do want to know, like, if you could share with us your childhood. Uh, I'd love to see if, like, you know, how you were brought up and how that ha- impacted how you are as a parent. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe we can come back to the other thing you said, and I appreciate that. Uh, and it's it's hard, right? I and mean, we've talked about it. So we can come back to to kind of those choices between, like, work and family and, and all that. So I think a lot of probably what drives me on both of those is that I didn't have a lot of success my parents didn't and didn't have a lot, you know, growing up or a lot of parenting. So I think I kind of flipped that on its head and and wanted to give my kids a different experience. So, you know, we were on welfare and, you know, my mom was a hippie and moved around a lot. So I think, you know, like the first five years of my life, we lived in like a bread truck, lived in a tent, lived in an abandoned house, no electricity. Wow like just some crazy places. And, and then later on, you know, it was a little bit more stable, but there was a time then like from fourth grade through high school where I lived like for a couple of years, we lived in like a yeah, trailer with no water, no run, no electricity, nothing. It was like a tiny little trailer. And so that was not a fun experience yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And, you know, so I learned a lot through that and, uh, and I just lived with my mom. So my dad wasn't there. And so I had lots of, I think, male role models, you know, through high school and, and college and later on, but it was really mostly my mom and I, and then for a number of years, my mom uh, did drugs. And so she wasn't really there emotionally during that time. Uh, and then I was on my own from what, since I was 17. So that I think you know, shaped a lot of how I think. And then my wife had a totally different experience, right? Her parents had been married for 50 years. She had a pretty mm. stable upper middle class life and very like, you know, both parents at home and all that. So yeah, that's, that's my childhood and, and background. Yeah, it's wild. I, I mean, just to like, think about the stories that you've shared with me and, and just the stories that you just shared right now at a high level, I mean, and all the different things that go with the, the nuances of what you just said. It's amazing to think about like how far you've come right? Both as a parent and as a, as a professional. And it's, it's like one of the things that always makes me curious. It's like that matrix scene, like, you know, with the vase, you know, like, would you have broken the vase if I said something or not with the Oracle? Like, I like always wonder, like, if that's what drives you to strive to be so good at both things, you know, being a parent and being so successful in work. What do you think? Yes. I mean, it certainly does. I mean, there, there's definitely a sense of a a lot of the, the chaos. I didn't want to repeat or didn't want my kids to have to go through now you know i mean like like any family i mean they go through their own things and they have to you know work through that and there's there's issues we always have to to work through but i just wanted to have a much more stable life and have some balance also so i mean i've been really reflective on that my whole adult life and you know and have a really good relationship with mom now and she quit drugs you know 30 years ago and she's become an amazing woman, but we've had to talk through it a lot. Like, you know, Hey, what was going on here in this situation and what happened there, you know? And, and so here I am and and she just, we went up for her 70th birthday not too long ago and 
had this amazing talk and she's just become an incredible woman, but it's taken a lot of time to reflect. And it's interesting just how much that still affects you as an adult, even, you know, and stuff that she still feels about it as a 70 year old woman. Right. Wow. And we have these amazing talks about it. And, and then about her thoughts about us being parents and her grandkids and like the whole thing. And so it's just, I don't know. I find it all really fascinating. I, yeah, I'm fascinated right now. I can't <laughs> believe you, you unpack that with her. You like oh, go no, into we, it. Oh yeah. No, we have, we have a really, like I was just telling her, it took us years young to, to just probably from like 20 to 40, right. To just really, you know, we had times where it was really tough or we weren't close. So there are times where, you know, I was, I'd felt hurt or angry or she felt critical of us because the way we raised our kids or, you know, like whatever it is, like all these yeah. things. But like, so every time we would, she would come down, we would like have these talks on the way to the airport and just, they, they, like, they got better and better over the years. And now over the last probably seven to 10 years, it's just become a really cool relationship. And so there's not really many topics we don't talk about. And my kids know all about the background. She knows that they know they talk with her and we've all really learned from it and try to keep figuring out like, how do we become better and better human beings through just all the stuff we've gone through? And she helps other people that are homeless and on drugs. And it's just a really cool thing. Wow. So she's actually even like turned around and like done a lot of giving back. Totally. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, this sounds like it's like an incredible test of empathy and patience because I mean, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing or projecting my feelings, but Based on like what I've heard about your childhood, I mean, I, I'd assume that there's probably a, a lot of resentment and concerns and questions. And for you to go not only forgive it, but also try to build that relationship back up and unpack it is, is massive. Yeah. And I mean, I had, you know, I, and you and I have talked about this some, I mean, I, I have, I think my faith drives a lot of that too. You know, I mean, I had a pretty big life-changing experience when I was like 20 or whatnot. And that's, that's carried with me as well. And so I don't, you know, like I, there's been certain, do I like, do I get, resentful and and bitter and is that you know a challenge of course like there's times where things come up like that but for the most part like that's like with my mom at least we can have those conversations and we've been yeah. like oh yeah here's what's going on and so that's been great but i don't think that i think it all happened for a reason it made me who i am do you know what Absolutely. i mean so i i, I don't look back and go, like oh, i wish it had been different i mean i i think it those experiences have all shaped me and and there's people that i can help out and it's helped shape the way i raise my kids because i can tell them those things what i went through the choices I made, the things that were happened to me, the things that I did out of being, you know, angry or mad at the world, and it didn't really help anything. And so, you know, they can learn from that, right? Like we've had great talks where like one of my kids said, you know, I was kind of nervous because like I told them a lot about kind of drinking and drugs and partying. And I thought, like, oh, maybe it's going to influence them. Maybe they'll do that. And Wesley told me at one point, he's like, you know, dad, all your stories, like I, they had kids in high school party and doing drugs, whatever. And they were like, all the stories you told me totally dissuaded us from wanting to do any of that stuff. Oh, like wow. we just listened to your stories. You know? <laughs> we're like, nah, we're not going to do yeah. that. That's amazing. So basically I'll tell my kids all the, about all the parties and, and drugs and, and drinking that I did to, to dissuade them. Yeah. I think sometimes people feel like, well, I can't share my dirt with my kids because then they're going to feel like, oh, they're going to go and do it. But it's, I think a lot of times it's actually the opposite. Like they love it when they see our mess and, you know, can learn from it versus just having to <laughs> go through it, you know? I think it helps them make better decisions when they see like, oh, you know, you're, you're not perfect as a parent. Yeah. And I've also read something about that, like, you know, after the age of like 
you know, 12 or 13, you stop being a parent and you're not really teaching them anymore. You're just like mentoring and coaching them, right? And so when you think about mentoring and coaching, that's kind of in line, right? Like being transparent, showing your fallacies, because now you're leading and inspiring versus like teaching and managing. Because I think, because I think our kids, like they have so much pressure, like whether it's said or not, they'll act like they don't respect us or like us, but they look up to us as parents and feel like, man, I can't do what, you know, mom or dad has done, or I can't measure up, you know, and then they've got pressure from their friends. And then if there's church culture and pressure, they've got that. It's like just all this, you know, now everything online or whatever. So I do think like just that vulnerability makes a huge difference, you know? And then what do the kids say when they like, like talk to your mom and and their grandparents about this and, and kind of like, your past. Like, I know you're saying you have these transparent conversations, but like, what is their, what is their reaction and how do they process this stuff? Do they have a lot of questions? Yeah, totally. But again, we just, we, we talk about it. Sometimes they, they just want to hear more about the stories. Like, I mean, mm. we, we, I mean, you know, I mean, like give me one example. I mean, my, my, I didn't even know the guy's real name until actually just this last week. And one of these other things, because it was and someone posted a picture of her mm-hmm. on the, on this wall. But like one of the guys that my mom dated was a guy named Trigger. And he was a like a big bearded, like drove a Harley. So like, at f- I remember being five years old in the back of a Harley, like holding on for dear life, you know, like just going fast. And so just some really wild, crazy stories about that, that I've told my kids, but like they, they, like, it's like, you know, in their minds are like, well, man, tell us a story about you being on the bike with trigger. You know, like, just like, <laughs> to them, it's like this, you know, they just like, it's part of the folklore. It's part of the, like the, you know, whole thing. And I think, that, yeah you know, they want to go off and, and create their own memories. They don't want, they, and they go, okay, we know, like, let's stay away from this thing or go in this direction or here's the consequence or whatever. But it's all pretty fluid. We talk about just different things all the time, you know, whether it's, you know, past, present, future, whatever, right? And is that like a focus point? Is that like an intentional thing that you're trying to do is like build that, you know, open, open, transparent relationship with them to talk through everything? Yeah, I think to your point, and you and I have talked about our parents, you know, a, a number of different times. I, I think for me, like whether it was being, you know, a founder of a business or being a dad, I, I think it it means continuing to change for what's going on today. Like I want to be close to my kids and I'm not going to, I can't parent them like I did before. I've got to learn, like to your point, like how to transition to a coach, a mentor, an advisor, a friend. And just, you know, try and love them as they're figuring out life because they're going to make choices that I may not agree with or may not like, or they're going to do things. And I find, which I think you do, you know, it takes a lot of work to like, just love them for who they are versus trying to like disapprove because they didn't do what I wanted them to do. And then that typically, I feel like just creates resentment or distance because, okay, well, mom and dad just aren't happy with my choices. So we're not close. They're going to go off and like, so I don't know. I just, I feel like I want to be able to have an ongoing relationship that's continuing to grow with them as we all mature. And that means me saying stuff that I do that they're like, dad, you're being a jerk or whatever. <laughs> like, or you're, you're just totally, you're expecting me to be something I'm not instead of just being accepting them and being a, you know, like being, being there and learning. And I think that just means continuing to grow and learn and being transparent about my biases and things, you know, things that I don't like about them and that they don't like about me and just being able to like kind of work on it like any relationship is how I view it. Yeah. 
It's kind of funny because when you think about like how you work, and I, I know this because I, I worked for you at Limelight, but you, you also parlay a lot of that in, in work and how you lead. Would you, would you agree or disagree? Yeah. And I guess like, I think I try and view it as like, I don't know that it has to, I mean, I, I think my ideal thing is that you would have exactly that in a work setting as well. Because, you know, whether it's being the CEO or, you know, then people are like, oh, that's, I got to be, I got to like act, you know, like strong or good or, you know, whatever, instead of just being authentic and going like, can we talk about like, right, we work together on this a lot, which is like, how, how do you create a safe environment where people feel just that, like safe to be authentic? Because I think that's where you get a strong relationship and you get productive work. Like if, if we're like nervous and about what people think all the time in the workplace and, you know, can't and have to perform and either nervous we're going to get fired or whatever and can't or, or, you know, worse people that aren't open to feedback and input because it's a power position or power play. It, it just sucks because then you're in a situation where you're not going to really be honest and you don't really know the person. Yeah. And then you end up getting like less effectiveness because now they're just like agreeing to agree and then like turning around and not being all, all in it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a faux agreements. And so you're absolutely totally. right. Yeah. And it's so, it's really interesting. Cause like, there's like this concept that I learned uh, working with you and through limelight through a lot of those things that you kind of like forced us to have, you know, even though it seemed redundant at the time, you know, just telling you the truth. <laughs> I'm, smi <laughs> I'm smiling. Cause like the way you phrase it, like you forced us to do, it's like antithesis of everything we just talked about, but that's, that's cool. Right. <laughs> it well, wasn't as authentic as I thought. <laughs> well, there were times right during when we worked together where the, the, the choice was obvious. And even yeah. if the choice was obvious, you wanted to make sure we heard all points of view. Mm -hmm. And it's like this level of like empathy and understanding that yeah. wasn't necessary in your position and your title, yet yeah. you chose to do it. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting because like when you look at things like that, it's not those moments that you realize, you know, what you, who you are and, and how I perceive you and what I've learned from it. It's after the fact that you think about it and you go, you were creating, you know, your value proposition in my mind, right? Like who you were and how you were going to be branding yourself. And you were the type of person that said, hey, even if the facts seem like they're fully loaded, we're still going to give the benefit of the doubt and take the time to like talk to everybody that's involved and understand their point of view. And whether it made sense to me in the moment or not, the, the end goal was exactly what you just said. It's like you're meeting people where they're at and trying to figure out like, hey, can we unpack this and get like true buy-in and alignment versus, hey, this is obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should line up, you know? So I think that's really fascinating that that's kind of like paralleled into work, work and school. Um, well, sorry, not school, work and home. Yeah. I really love, you know, I don't know if you read or listened to Ray Dalio. He's a hedge fund manager. They wrote a book, the book Principles. He talks a lot about this. They've got a really interesting like work culture. And even like recently his son got in a car accident and died. And and he was very public about how he processed his grief. And in the workplace, the, he's created an algorithm and a program that literally gets people to be authentic and then work through stuff. And it's like it it's a pretty interesting thing because his whole point is that like it takes a ton of work to really know what you and I think and feel That's and right. to get people to be in a spot where they feel really comfortable being truly authentic and honest, you know, without fear of retribution. 
right? And I think like that's that's just something I feel like I I don't think I do the greatest at it, but aspire to because I think it just creates a much more enjoyable atmosphere, whether it's at home with family, whether it's at work. And that changes all the time. What you think, feel, and believe today may be different in six months or a year or five years based on all kinds of things, right? So it's not like you can guy pick a point in time and go, cool, we're good, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. No, it's absolutely true. And I, and I love that you like are constantly trying to better that aspect of yourself intentionally, right? Because I think that that's what's going to make you focus on it and then get great at it. And in turn, that yeah. is what's going to make you be more successful professionally and as a dad. I mean, if like there's one commonality, I, I love that you pinpointed that. I think I agree with you now that I look at it from the macro. It's like the one thing that you can parlay, the skill set that you can parlay from work and home and be, use it to be successful at both. Because there's a lot of things that you can't carry over. My wife right. hates it when I get into work mode on the family. She totally. like, yeah. She's like, what are you doing? This is the most ridiculous thing ever. And it's so, she gets so annoyed, you know? And I think that that's one of those things that you can carry over very, very easily. And it works really well. And just from, just to kind of add to, to further validate the point that you made, like I've been consulting, right. And I've gotten the chance to work with, I'd say just like just under a dozen companies over the last, you know, year that I've been consulting. And it's like really interesting to think about the importance of that alignment, buy-in and psychological safety, trust, approachability, all the things that you really focused on, you know, during and now, you know, back then and also now. Yeah. Because a lot of these decisions, as you start to play from an outside point of view and you get to see all of these different businesses, these different verticals, these different industries, they're all unique problems, but they're all the yeah. same problem. Right. And so the answers become very simple for a consultant to come in and say, hey, I just, wa I just did this three times, like in, in Q2. <laughs> Let me show you how yeah. these three companies did it, and then I can make this faster for you. The issue isn't actually solving the problem for the business anymore. It's more about solving for people. And so yeah. I've like learned over the last year of being a consultant and getting to like parlay these problems into solutions. It's much more people-based. It's much more about like figuring out what that person is trying to get done or what they're trying to intend to do or what they want this other person to do and what this other person actually feels or if they're 100% bought in or not. And it kind of comes back to this like full circle about what you said, like none of that matters if they're not fully bought in. And uh, you actually won't get full efficacy, if efficacy at all because they're yeah. not bought into it. And so it's so important, as basic as it sounds, that's actually probably more important than how the business tactic or strategy that you choose or know. I totally agree. Do you? Have you, known, do. This, no. have you known this fact for a long time? Is that why you're like, no, is this like I, your way of saying I told you so? No, I, it's a weird thing being here because I wanna ask you a ton of questions about the stuff you're learning and what you're doing, but you're interviewing me, so I feel like I've just gotta answer stuff and not ask questions. So I, I do. I mean, I think that that's part of it, which is, you know, how do we and even like it doesn't mean that everyone right is going to agree at the end of the day or, or like that. That just means we all like, you know, kumbaya, cool, we all agree. I, but I think it's like, let's have, let's be able to talk it through and get as aligned as we can. And then we agree and pick a direction to go. I just think it, then people seem to be way more on page than if it's just like okay, I'm doing this because I've been told, but I totally don't agree with it. And or now understand I'm going to do it. A, yeah, or understand yeah. it or, you know. That's right. Or I'm excited about it and then I'm going to do a half-baked job, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like really crazy because it all stems back down to that. And, and it's, like, it's, it's, it's like proving the point as I, as I start to get more and more numbers to prove to that point. You're on to something, and I think that's absolutely correct. How do your kids respond to 
your your kind of meteoric rise, if I, if I may say, because I know you're very humble about it, but you've, uh, for lack of better words, came from the bottom and now you're here, <laughs> to quote a rapper, <laughs> a famous rapper, right? Like, what do they think? Because in a very short amount of time in, in their youth, and they're not even fully like, oh, maybe Wesley yeah. you can consider as a full adult, but they're still molding, yeah. right? And they've just like changed their lifestyle tremendously in a short yeah. amount of time. What, what is that like? What, how are they responding? What do they think about it? Um, I think they're, I mean, I think generally they're pretty level-headed dudes, which I um, appreciate, but I think that you're right. They've been able to, I mean, they certainly have been, have not had the rough kind of upbringing that I had, but they certainly, to your point, have seen, you know, us go from kind of high stress, early stage startup, you know, to then having a successful exit and, and, and all that. So I think they're appreciative of it. They're grateful. They hype it up. Like you just did a little bit more, you know, like, yeah. and like, Whoa, dad, that was really cool, man. Like, yeah. can't believe you just, you. Do, you, do you believe that you just did that? You know? So yeah. like, so, you know, that's encouraging. And I, I think that my hope is that they are able to like when they're thinking about what they're doing, cause I've, they've seen like, there's been other ones that like stuff I've done that hasn't been as successful. So I That's think right. I'm just hoping they'll kind of see like, Hey, you know, let's keep trying until things work and you just don't give up or get discouraged. I mean, you have discouraging times and times you quit, but you know, like just keep going. And uh, so that's what I'm hoping they get out of it. Right. Is that it takes some time and, but, you know, if you have something you believe in, then go for it and don't worry about the outcome because you'll have some success and some failures. And, and when you see the, you know, really good success, then you can celebrate, you know? Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're always been, you've always been very, very humble. And is that something that you're like trying to intentionally teach your kids to be humble? Is that, you think, why they're level-headed? Or is that something just like they picked up? Well, I hope so. I don't know. Does anybody like working with arrogant jerks? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I guess, yeah. but it's like, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean. I feel like you're humble to a fault, though. Uh, really? Yeah, not no, not to a fault. That's kind of too extreme. I think you're That's very okay. humble. That's yeah, fine. I'd say if there was like this is too humble to a fault is one, and like you know, arrogant is like a ten. You're you should like, ask my wife. She may disagree with you. She'd be like, <laughs> she'd be like, huh? Humble? What? Oh, that's Hold funny. On, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it just. I feel like I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts as well recently. And I just, I feel like there's so much to learn. It's like what I, you know, like every time I feel like I've figured something out, I'm like, crap. So uh, I appreciate that. And do I think that I try and teach them that? Yes, I do. I, I think that they can be very successful, very confident, but also I think that it never hurts to be humble. And, and, you know, I think just be inquisitive and, and willing to learn, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like a tricky thing. My, my daughters are, they're starting to get afraid of heights and like starting yeah. to get like learn fears and stuff. And I have this thing where I like to put my kids on my hand and like lift them up. I and, know. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. And they're getting scared. And I'm like, come on, you got to be confident. Don't be I've scared. been scared you. since you've been doing it. I watch your pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. So there's, there's a little empathy for them, for them, not on me. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I'm just trying to like learn to adapt to the fact that they're like starting to learn what fear is and being scared of heights. And so yeah. it's really, it's really hard for me. I know it has, it pales in comparison to the, the gravity of the stuff that we talked to so far, but it really bothers me. Right. You know? like, Cause I'm you like, want them to be like, 
Yeah, confident, fearless, yeah. you know, and I'm like, and I, and then I'm I'm the one supporting them. I'm literally like, since you were a kid, the moment you could stand, I've been lifting you up over my head, you know. But and how I've long do you think you're you... gonna lift them up? Like, how long would you keep? How long? Well, now I'll never know, Jason. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could I just... answer that question. Well, I've I hadn't thought about the fear aspect, but I've been wondering like, how strong are you? Like, how long can you keep doing that? Like physically? Oh, God, probably another, because... like six months, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Because maybe what's happening is they're really smart and that fear is just like, dad can't keep lifting me up like this. There's a point in time where he's going to say, oh, I always held you up. Then then they fall down. That's right. They're really intelligent is what it is. So maybe they're just smart. They're not afraid. (laughs) When when they're like 30 years old, they're going to tell me, they're like, hey, we always knew you just couldn't do it. So we're trying to to save your soft (laughs) ego because you're kind of fragile and... Or maybe you're just going to get more and more buff. And when they're like 35 and they're married, you'll like hold them up at their wedding. Like, That's right. You have one on each arm. That's right. Yeah. No, I've been working out like crazy. I'm like, I'm, I've been realizing in order to like be good at like essentially two jobs, right? Yeah. It's like um, being a dad and or being a good dad anyways and being a, you know, a, a good a professional that like grows your income and stature and, and realm like is a lot. It's a lot individually yeah. on its own. And then like the audacity of wanting to be excellent at both requires an unbelievable amount of perseverance, physicality, mental acuity, like a lot of stuff (laughs) makes it sound like, uh, you know, like it's this incredible thing, but like it is. And so you have to like, if you really are serious about being good at both, like you have to work on your mind and your, and your, uh, because you, you physically cannot keep up. Like there are days where I'm like, I I do 12 hours, just back to back zoom meetings. And then I stop for two hours and I just muster up the, you know, the strength to like be like normal and not stressed out and hang out with my kids for two hours. And then I go right back to, to work, right back to zoom meetings. And I try to squeeze in a workout at 10 o'clock at night, because if I don't, then I'll just get lazy and sluggish. And, and it's, it takes, it takes a lot, you know, to be good at both really does. And I, I've been struggling a lot with it over the last couple of years, but I'm committed to this idea that it doesn't have to be one or the other. I, I don't want to stop yeah. growing either, either aspect of it. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? I haven't worked out in like four years, man. So you're <laughs> <ahead of> me. <laughs> That's maybe not entirely true. I mean, I've worked out some, but, um, yeah, you have, you do some, you, you always want to, but you never get to it. So what do I think about that? I think that what you said is a hundred percent true. I, I feel like that's the, most challenging thing. And, you know, like all jokes aside, I, I do think that, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about entrepreneurship or whatnot. And it's like, well, you know, family, work, friends, church, exercise, you know, pick two, pick three, whatever. Like, and I that's actually right. think that's, if you're doing a lot, I think that's actually, there's some truth to that, whether we want to admit it or not. Like, you know, I think some of my friendships over the years at different points in time have, have suffered some, I, I think, exercise some, you know, I know some people like there's lots of awesome books and people are like, you can do it all. That's right. But I feel like, you know, we scale the company and I'm close to my kids. So I feel like that was a success. And some of the other stuff we didn't do as much of. And, you know, I just, I I think that, and even, even in doing those two, at some points in time, one or the other one suffered because I had to give more attention to my kids, which when they needed it. And I think that was the right thing to do. And other times I had to give more attention to the business and kids suffered and, you know, but always trying to come back to kind of get some quote unquote balance. But I think I, you know, some people do, some people seem to be able to do it, but like, I just, I think two, two is kind of my capacity. 
Yeah, no, it's not easy. And I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here like working out and meditating like religiously, right? I, I definitely fall off the wagon all the time. And it's the first yeah. thing to go, right? Because it's never yeah. going to supersede work and it's never going to supersede yeah. kids and it's never going to supersede like, yeah, like basic like sleep and stuff. But any, any time I, anytime I sit there and like, Hey, like, you know, I'm tired, but I got to do this. I, you know, you just like try to suck it up and do it and you try to get totally. on the wagon and I'll have these nice spurts and stuff. But I realized over doing these kind of spurts that I'm actually more successful at parenting and work when I do do workouts and I find time to sure. like just be mindful or go for a walk without any kind of thinking, you know? Totally. I feel like it actually exacerbates your, your, your abilities. And so yeah. there's something there if you can, if you can stick to that. Totally agree. So based on that, what do you, how do you qualify success as a parent and, and, and as a worker? Because going back to that original question that we kind of like skipped over because I asked you about your childhood, how do you qualify success uh, as a parent now? I think it goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about. I mean, I think six, in my mind, success is believing or, or seeing that I have a relationship I'm close to my kids. Because I think that these barriers that we're talking about, it's easy. I think if they don't feel hurt or vice versa, you know, I mean, and, and, and we can't have a relationship, then we're just going to want to get away from each other. Cause you know, it's like any, like we're here with each other living in the same house all the time and we're different people. So we do things that drive each other nuts. Right. Or that we may don't like. And so I guess for me, it's more the emotional intimacy, the closeness, the, the, that awareness is, is success that like, you know, when times are good or bad, like they want to hang out or want to talk or want to get help or whatever it is, that is to me success. That's awesome. And I also love that you have like specific examples of what that means as well, too. That's really cool. So going back to another thing you commented about, you said you've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, what kind of podcasts do you listen to? Oh, man. Well, I listen to a lot of true crime stuff. Oh. Most of it, like, but I mean, all kinds of different things. But I also listen to, I've been listening to lots of um, podcasts about historical, like biblical contexts and uh, just, you know, a lot of history. I also listen, I love a bunch of like, you know, how I built this from Guy Raz. And I think uh, also uh, Freakonomics and, and This American Life. Those are probably like the main ones that I listen to. And I know this is like a really specific question, but when are you listening to the podcast? Because I feel like that's actually very, very interesting the, how, how people listen to podcasts. I listen mostly when I'm driving and I don't, mm. we're not driving a lot based on, on that, but like anytime that I go to the store or go somewhere, go, you know, out and I'm alone in the car, I typically will have a podcast on. Nice. That's usually when I listen. I don't, I don't like if I'm sitting someplace, like I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm reading something or watching something or doing something. But so yeah, usually it's when I'm driving. But you're, but for overall though, the podcast that you're consuming is, is a wide smattering of your interests. So it like fills you spiritually, entertainment value, business value, learning, kind of like a spattering of all the things that you kind of care about. It's not like a necessarily a focus. 
Yeah, usually like self-improvement and business, I try and get away from when it comes to podcasts. It's my more yeah. way to check out because I feel like I do a lot of that other stuff, you know, day in and day out and yeah. I'm working in business. So, you know, I'll read a lot of articles or read more business books, but podcasts are a way for me to just check out. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing that. Maybe I should add that to my uh, list of questions I yeah. ask every guest. I think that's a good one. Um, but now we're coming up to time and I know you're a busy man. Let's go ahead and, um, wrap this up with some questions that I like to ask every guest. So I'm just going right. to rapid, rapid fire these off for you. And then I'll let you, uh, let you go back on your uh, busy day. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. What advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? Don't have kids run away. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's Don't. also really funny because I, I got to tell this story. Sorry, I'm going to like make this podcast episode super long, but it's, it's okay because it's such a good story. I remember after we got pregnant and I told you we were expecting, you're like, you know, I'm like, do you have any sage advice being, you know, a, a parent of three? And you're like, having kids is broken down into three sections. And they're like basically three trimesters of seven years. The first seven years is just physical pain. They just, they, you can't sleep. You have to pick them up. You have to pick up after them. They, they like just hurt you physically. You get so old so fast. I'm like, okay. And you're like the second seven years, they start figuring out who they are and they like start pushing their boundaries and they just hurt you mentally so bad, right? You're just constantly getting headaches and they're just like hurting you mentally for seven years. And then I'm like, okay, what about the third? And you're like, now they know what hurts you and they do it anyways. And they just hurt you emotionally. And I don't remember this, by the way. I, I feel like you've, you've like embellished this story over time and whatnot, but. Uh, Maybe, I but that. I swear to you said this to me and it was the yeah. funniest thing ever. And I, and I, basically, I don't know, I don't know what compelled you to say it, but I, I was like, <laughs> why wouldn't you tell me this before I had kids? Which is kind of funny <laughs> because now you're telling the advice of not to have kids. I love it. No, I think uh, in all sincerity, I'd say just take the pressure off and try and enjoy them. I wish I had done more of that even, but like, you know, it goes by super quick and everybody says that. And, and I think it also, I've always, particularly as a younger parent, I felt this incredible pressure to be, you know, like I gotta be, I gotta do everything the books say, you know, reading all the parental books and none of them, it never works out the way that any of the books say, or like, you know, every family is unique. So I think I'm, I've learning over the last years to just enjoy a lot more, but I think in the early years I would have just enjoyed them at whatever stage they're at and just appreciated it. Nice. Yeah. Next question I have for you is if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? Don't have kids. No. <laughs> um, then again, if I could tell myself one thing, it would be what I just said. And if that's generic, then let me know and I can come up with something else. But no, it I just, what it, is. Yeah. it was, yeah, going into the first, it was like, I was really anxious. You know, I don't want to mess them up. I want to do everything that, that, you know, all the parenting books say and, and try and, but I just, I, you know, looking back, I go, I wish I had been a little more lax in some ways because it just is so stressful trying to like, you know, I got to do these things, but there's just, there's really just no formula for it. Yeah. That's a great answer. What is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself becoming a parent? I, I probably, I think that I just, 
I, I've had, I've had to really work hard at it because as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I mean, I had a lot of mentors and advisors and particularly in, and you know, as I became a young adult and into you know, manhood and all that, but I, I didn't have a model of what it meant, like how to be a dad. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've read stuff, totally. gotten advice, talked to people. So I think I've had to really work at it. And that's been, uh, you know, I, I think it just, it, I mean, maybe it comes more natural to some folks who had a relationship, you know, close to their dad or did a lot of stuff. But I'd say that's probably the, the thing that's been the most revealing for sure. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And then my last question, what's your all-time favorite business book? I would say that uh, so far, the one that I just mentioned earlier in the show is, is uh, Ray Dalio Principles. And just packed chock full with lots of stuff. But that's that's a tough question too because I think the hard thing about hard things, which is a book you recommended to me, is 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 a great book. And I think just the different cycles of of you know building a business and and so forth. And I think that's you know Ben Horowitz. That's a great book. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, it's an awesome book. I, I I love that book. Yeah. Very cool. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hang out with me and talk to me about parenting and and work. I, as always, love hanging out with you, and I learn so much again, and I feel like every time I talk to you, I learn something new about you. So um, it's really, really great to have you on the show. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to, yeah, catching up with you next time. That was awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview, and as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.